This is the More to the Story podcast with Dr. Andy Miller. We hope you guys enjoyed today's conversation. Hey, everybody. I want to offer you three things. I wonder if you can find their connection. The well-known Grammy Award-winning musical group Lady A, Teeth Whitening, and The Gospel. Lady A, Teeth Whitening, and The Gospel. All three of those things are things that we cover on today's More to the Story podcast. And there is a connection between these things. And that comes from my friend, Dr. Van Haywood. Now, I'm not going to spoil it all for you, but he's somebody who had a significant role to play in teeth whitening, not just in America, but all across the country. And he has a significant role to play in this uh, group you might know of as Lady A. Then finally, uh, the gospel is something that has entirely shaped his life. And I think you're going to find his story fascinating. Just hang on. Like, it's, it's almost hard to believe what happens in Van's life. But God has done a miraculous thing through him in helping him discover some things that have benefited people all over the world. He discover he was one to first write the first academic paper on teeth whitening and be able to verify that it's something that could work. And I'll let you hear the other connections of how God was at work in his life. The More to the Story podcast comes to you through the sponsorship of Wesley Biblical Seminary, where I work. We're based here in Ridgeland, Mississippi, which is in the Jackson area. But on top of that, we serve people all over the world. We have a polysynchronous model of education, which means we have live classes that happen here in the Jackson area, but also we have people who come in via Zoom online live. But at the same time, we have folks who aren't able to take those classes live. So within 24 hours or 48 hours, they're able to get on and participate in the life of that class. So we can come to you. God has made it possible for us to septuple our size in the last four years. Just this semester, we have more than 500 students participating in the life of the seminary who are going deeper in their faith, particularly people who serve as leaders in their church and, of course, pastors as well. So we offer degrees like Masters of Arts and all kinds of areas like apologetics, um, in theology and biblical studies, masters of divinities with specific specializations, doctorate of ministries, and we have a bachelor's in pastoral ministry. On top of that, we have certificate programs and we offer something called the Wesley Institute. So there are many things that you can get at Wesley Biblical Seminary. You can go to wbs.edu. Secondly, we're brought to you, the More to the Story podcast is brought to you by William Roberts or Bill Roberts, who's a financial advisor with more than 20 years of experience. God has used him to help people achieve their financial goals, and he can do that for you. You can go to williamhroberts.com. He's particularly gifted with helping people who serve in ministry because he himself is a pastor's kids. He's a grandson of a pastor. He's a great grandson of a pastor. So he's somebody who gets how ministry works, particularly the kind of unique situation that people who serve in the Salvation Army who have parsonages or quarters have to work with. So I think you'll find Bill to be really helpful in helping you achieve your financial goals. So check him out at williamhroberts.com. Thanks for coming to the More to the Story podcast, where we put out content like this, interviews with interesting people that can help you grow in your faith, but also other content that comes out on a regular basis, just basic Christian teaching and insight that we think can help your life. We also deal with kind of like contemporary issues and difficult subjects that come up. Those have been, you know, our more popular videos, but I think by grasping stories like what we have today from Van, I think this is something that can give us hope for our life and our world that God's still at work and he's still calling people to be faithful in their context. And this happens for Van as he served as a professor of dental. I'm not sure, a dental professor. I'm not sure what you'd call that. He'll tell us here in a minute. But thanks for coming to the More to the Story podcast. God bless you. Welcome to today's podcast. I am really excited to have my friend on, Dr. Van Haywood. Van, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. I remember meeting you several years ago, and I heard a story almost 20 years, over 20 years ago, and I heard the story of your life and career then, and then we just connected about a month or so ago, and I was reminded of that again, and I, it stuck with me through that time, so I'm just so glad to have you on the show to be able to tell this story. Well, thanks. I'm glad, I'm glad it made a difference, and it certainly uh, changed my whole life for the last 30, 40 years, so it's been great. So... Uh, Dr. Haywood, just so you all know, is a professor 
of Dentistry or restore, the Restorative Science uh, Department at the Dental College of Georgia, and he and his wife live in Augusta, Georgia, and uh, we're really excited to hear a little bit more of what he's doing. Now, I want to show, though, of course, in the very back of his wall, those of you who are watching on YouTube, he has a guitar there, which he's also known by that. So tell us a little about your guitar, your uh, how the guitar factors into your life, Van. Well, I, I've always played uh, guitar starting in uh, high school and uh, back when the Beatles and everything, everybody had a garage band. So I played played guitar. And then uh, my wife is a keyboard piano player, uh, children's choir leader stuff. And so we're we're a very musical family and we've got we've got three children and uh, all three of them. We started at Suzuki Piano when they were six and and then they moved on to band and then they moved on to guitar. So. Uh, all three of them are heavily involved in music. The oldest teaches music in the elementary school, uh, Lisa. Okay. The youngest plays a lot of music around uh, locally here in Augusta and works for a computer company. Right. And then uh, that's Michael. And then the middle one, Dave, is in a country band called Lady A out of Nashville, Tennessee. So they've uh, he's actually made music his career, and, and God's blessed them in some uh, some amazing ways, both with I don't know, seven or eight Grammys. And then the, this year they had a number one song with Chris Tomlin, uh, Who You Are to Me. So they've, they've really had a chance to make an impact through their music. And, and so I teach guitar at church to middle schoolers. Okay. Using the same book that I started Dave with uh, and Michael and Lisa with. And, yeah. and uh, that's always the carrot. Okay, this is the way my <laughs> son and Lady A started uh, at church, learned all this stuff at church in the youth program and uh, learned how to record at church and all those things were part of his formation years that later God blessed in this uh, uh, world of country music. Wow. Now, those of you, some of you are listening there and you say, did he just say Lady A and Grammy Awards and all? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. But also notice too, he brought up Dave and Lisa and Michael, not just one child, right? But all three, right. uh, music was a big part of their life. And um, I, when I was last with you, Van, you were you had traveled to teach some kids to play ukulele. Your wife was doing some things too. So I just think it's interesting to see um, that role that music has played in your life. And even in the way that music is used to disciple people within the context of the church, it's a great tool. Yeah, it's, it's been my two gifts from God have been teaching and music. And so I've I teach and I do music and I teach music and I, you know, have led praise and worship and different things like that. So it's just been a joy to to see all the different venues that you can develop the gifts that God has given you to reach out into a world, uh, either the Christian world or uh, the secular world and in, uh, make an impact. And that's what Dave and them are doing and Michael and Lisa as well in their different environments. Yeah. Well, and that's connected to your story too, with how God has used your gifts of teaching and your ability to access information connected to your discipline of dentistry. And I'm just, before we get kind of like to the, the point in your life that led you to the place where you wrote a famous paper. Tell us a little about before that moment and like how you developed as a dentist and, and even going in to teach dentistry. Um, uh, wow. That, that's just uh, some of more God's amazing blessings and whatnot. I was, uh, I, when I first got out of dental school, I knew I could teach cause I'd taught in, um, uh, guitar down in, in, um, Dublin, Georgia growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, I tried, wasn't sure what I wanted to do as a dentist, went into teaching at um, North Carolina for a couple of years and then decided I needed to make sure I could do it in private practice. And so I was out in private practice for about seven years. And it was during that time I went through a divorce and came to the realization that I couldn't plan my life and run it and that Jesus had a better idea. And so I surrendered my life to Christ back in uh, 1978 uh, and then just watched God guide me through my uh, meeting and marrying a wonderful, godly woman, Angie, and just learning all kinds of things. And then I, I kind of reached a point where, OK, I'm not uh, fulfilled with what's going on with with private practice dentistry. Hmm. I still have this desire to teach. I was teaching part-time at the dental school. So I felt God calling me into uh, teaching. I was reading a book, Your Your Job Survival and Satisfaction by the Whites. Hmm. And I realized that although I was good at private practice, that was not fulfilling the gifts that God had given me. So I, wow. I thought, well, I'm in Augusta, Georgia in practice. I'll just go to the dental school here and start teaching. And they had zero jobs available. Huh. And so uh, it's like, okay, if God's calling me to teach, I got to be willing to go where he says go. So I got my resume out, cranked it up, sent it to several places. 
And one of the first places was North Carolina, Chapel Hill, which was at that time, it still is one of the best dental schools in the country. And they said, well, we got, uh, we got a couple of jobs open, but uh, you know, we've already closed the interview process, but send your resume anyway. And so I sent it on up. And about a week later, they called me and said, hey, we declined one of the guys. The other guy declined us. So uh, why don't you come up for an interview? So I flew up there for an interview. My wife crying all the time because we were real <laughs> active at our local church and, yeah. and had all these kind of things. It's like, OK, wherever God sends us, I guess we will go. And it turns out most of the people I interviewed with were the people I had taught 10 years ago. Okay. When I'd been up there teaching. And so they came back and uh, said, well, we'll, you know, give some consideration. And so Angie and I tried to figure what would it take? We had two small children at that time. What would it take for us to leave private practice and make ends meet, you know, uh, on an academic salary, which, as you know, is not yeah. in the same league as being in private practice and sure. stuff. And so we kind of came up with what that number was. And about a week later, they called us up and said, OK, everybody wants you to come, but I'm I'm sorry. The only thing we can offer you is this amount. And it was the same number we had written down on the paper that we decided Amazing. we needed to be able to make ends meet. And while we were up there, a, a young dentist next door to me um, called up and said, hey, you don't usually leave your office. But if you're thinking of going into teaching, I want the first option to buy it. So he and I wow. wound up coming to agreements on that. He was practicing next door. And so from the time I felt God calling me to teach till the time I walked out the back door with a job in UNC Chapel Hill and gave the keys to this young dentist was exactly one month. Wow. Which you know much about academics. That's usually a six months to a year process. Sure. We just went from ground zero in private practice to ground zero in academics up in UNC Chapel Hill. So it was an amazing wow. lesson. Amazing. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the process, just so people know, like we're, we're in the process of trying to get people on board so that they could be here uh, for September next year right now. And we're in September. So that's just how that works. It's like a very slow process where you have shared governance and faculty have to have buy-in. So that is amazing how that happened. So yeah, eventually, yeah. though, you were able to move back to Augusta. Yeah, after we'd been there um, 10, 10 more years. So we had our third son, Michael, up in Chapel Hill. I had a wonderful church up there, Orange United Methodist Church. And uh, But after about 10 years, we realized that the town was – um, far too liberal for where we wanted to raise our children. We had a great church, but uh, the, the other thing is the university overshadows high school. Mm -hmm. So we didn't want our kids to miss the high school experience mm -hmm. by the fact that they could go see Michael Jordan play basketball down at UNC. And that's kind of different because he was up there at the time. Yeah. So, so we decided uh, uh, as part of the, uh, the other story, but uh, we decided that I would just, if, if this is what God wanted us to do, that we're going to, I gave up my tenure job at UNC Chapel Hill and made a lateral move to come back down to Georgia and start all over. Wow. So that was a kind of step on faith to give up all that 10 years of work. And I um, mean, it had a, everything I touched up there was just blessed. I mean, there's mm -hmm. no way to say it. Uh, but we felt that was God's call for our family uh, was to walk away from that and come back down to where the grandparents were. We had wow. both our family still alive at that time. So we wanted the kids to experience high school and, and have be around their grandparents and be able to to interact with family that because the rest of my family is mostly in Georgia. So it just turned out to be a blessing. So when Lisa was eighth grade, we wound up coming back to Augusta and starting all over. And uh, again, that's that's where she met her husband. That's where Dave learned to play guitar. And that's where Michael came and grew wow. uh, into all this stuff. So God's just he, he's made that a blessing, kind of like a not as much as Job, but just that little second whole new career that started all over again in, in Augusta, Georgia. Yeah. Okay. So I want to get to the, we. I didn't mean to jump past it, but there was this real distinct time that came where you heard about something and and really what has led to uh, a God's work in your life through, um, I don't want to say a discovery, but the opportunity you had to use your gifts to be able to help bring really ultimately good news to people. To Tell us about that story. Yeah, and you needed to know that first story because here I was coming out of seven years of private practice and I got hired at a research university. Okay. And so in order to keep your job, you're on a seven-year timeline and you have to have uh, uh, an international reputation of focus and grant money in some topic that's going to be your research focus for the rest of your career. Right. And so, you know, I'm dabbling around in different sorts of things and trying to see what's uh, going on. And had had some things in aesthetics and conservative dentistry and stuff, 
But I got this invitation uh, to go talk at this little study club out in the middle of nowhere, Jacksonville, North Carolina. It's called the Coastal Dental Study Club. David Freshwater and a bunch of these guys. And and so they wanted me to come over and spend a day talking about aesthetics and stuff. And it was all on the day I was supposed to do research and, and work on publications and different things like that. Yeah. And you have to get all that stuff done at the five and a half year mark so they can fire you and give you a year <laughs> to find another job. So, yeah. It was, it was one of those things I'd, I'd pray about it. And uh, by that time, I'm getting up at 5 a.m. in the morning to have an hour quiet time because with three kids, you don't have any quiet time once the first one of them wakes up. And so every morning I'd be praying and reading scripture. And I just had this nudge from God that I, I think you need to go to, you know, and lecture to those guys. And I asked my chairman and asked my colleagues and they said, you are crazy. <laughs> go there and go, uh, you know, give up all this day and all that time. You know, the last two guys before you who were in that uh, tenure cycle, they were good teachers and good clinicians, but they didn't have any research. And so they got fired. Wow. And so you'd be smarter uh, if you just go ahead and, um, you know, get your research done, get your publications, get your promotion. And then you can go teach at these places in the middle of nowhere. Right. And uh, so every advice was negative, except what I felt God calling to me in my heart in quiet time. Yeah. And so I finally just kind of, okay, I guess if God wants me uh, to lose my job, he must have some other place I'm supposed to be going, and this is the way he's going to get me there. So wow. I, I, I agreed to go and, and lecture to these guys in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And it, it was, a, um, I mean, everybody just thought I was crazy. And it was a comedy of errors because they fly you over there with a little uh, plane. That's what North Carolina had. And so they flew me over there, and I got to the airport because it's going to be an all-day presentation. Got to the airport, and uh, nobody was there. And I sat there for hours and I've called back to UNC. And finally, we found out that they flew me to one airport. The guy that was waiting for me was at another airport okay. because they're, they're both equidistant from this little place out in the middle of nowhere. And so finally, about midday, they figured out how to get him. He was hard to hear and he couldn't hear the announcements over the PA system. I mean, you right, look back right. now, it's funny. But at the time, I was trying to figure out what, what in the world am I doing here? And there's nobody here to even meet me. So he came over to the other airport and picked me up and I had to shorten my presentation because I'd set a couple hours or three in the airport. And so I gave him all the things about how to make beautiful smiles and how to do porcelain veneers and different things that look good. Mm -hmm. and I thought, well, Lord, I don't know why in the world you had me here. But on the way back to the airport, they had to get me back to catch the little plane. Uh, they said, wow, all that stuff is really amazing and fascinating, uh, but we don't do that. We just make this little football mouth guard kind of thing. And we put this material in there and we bleached our teeth. And we've been doing it for 20 years. We learned it from such and such a uh, person. And instead of, we're never going to do anything with that. So why don't you, uh, if you want to, go back and, and uh, do some research on it and write it up. Because, you know, we just do it to take care of our patients because it's very conservative. So I uh, went back to North Carolina. I thought, Lord, maybe that was the reason. So the next lady that came in to have her teeth cut down for porcelain veneers yeah. with a buddy, it was a patient of a buddy of mine, Harold Hyman, who's a well-known um, aesthetic dentistry, very talented uh, dentist up there in North Carolina. Mm. And, and he was also an English major. I'm a math major. So he's an English major. But anyway, I got, uh, I told Harold about what I thought God was doing and, uh, in my life. And at the time he was going to the same church I was. Uh, and I told him about that. And he said, well, why don't we ask this lady if she go let us try it on her. And sure enough, she was all excited about doing it. And hmm. so we gave it a try and it was amazing. And in about two weeks, her teeth were white and they were fixing to be cut down to have white facings put on them. Right. And now they're white from having nothing done. So we wrote the article. I wrote the, the first part and uh, he edited it with his English grammar and all that kind of good stuff. And so we had this Haywood and Hyman article on how to do what we call then night guard vital bleaching because we we're taking a football night guard and we were putting this uh, material in it, which was an over the counter product. I mean, I'd, I'd checked it all out with the FDA had approved it for use in the mouth. And really? So, okay. Yeah. You can still buy it down at Walmart and Walgreens called Glyoxide, G-L-Y-O-X-I-D-E. And it's an oral antiseptic made for wound healing inside the mouth. So it's just very, very safe, easy to use, still been used today and stuff. So we wrote that article and sent it off. And uh, one of Harold's friends uh, was an editor of an international journal. And uh, he saw the article and saw the pictures, the before and after, and saw the potential that had this Rick Simonson. And so he wound up... Uh, publishing that article fairly soon. And again, if you know much about publication, that usually a two-year cycle. Yeah, sure. Peer-reviewed process. Yeah, peer -reviewed. Yep. 
whole bit like that. So here we had Quintessence International Journal, and it went through the review process very rapidly and and got put on the front page of that journal and got published wow. uh, back in 1989. So we had the first article in the world on how to do trade bleaching uh, with the before and after and the instructions and stuff. Wow. And so that gave me a an international reputation. It gave me a focus. And then I got a call uh, from one of these companies that made a similar product. And they said, listen, we saw that article. We haven't got time for you to go through the grant process and submit anything. Can we just send you $10,000, no strings attached for you to continue your research on trade bleaching? Wow. So all of a sudden I'm sitting here with an international uh, journal written with another <laughs> very competent dentist and a very good journal, got a focus on research and I have $10,000 to do whatever I wanted to. So we started all the research and did some of the, oh, the major first uh, publications up there at North Carolina. Uh, so much so that, uh, gosh, I've got over 145 articles now cool. that started out from that particular area. Let me press and pause. Oh, this is amazing. I just hope people, when you're hearing this, that you realize what uh, Dr. Haywood is talking about. I mean, this is the process in 1989 of uh, teeth whitening. I mean, this would, using bleach. Now, let me just back up. This all happened, right? And you were riding back in a somewhat remote location in a car, and somebody just said, hey, there's this. You want to give it a try? I mean, is that really what happened? That's, that's I can remember. I'm sitting <laughs> in the back seat of the car, and I'm just thinking, to, uh, you know, you pray without ceasing, like Paul talks about. And it's like, Lord, is this why you brought me here? Because this is at the end of that long day of all the yeah. problems and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of that day, it's like, is, is this what it was all about? I need to I need to pursue this. It's that little nudging, that little quickening of your spirit that says, this is where I want you to go. This wow. is the door I want you to go through. And so, again, it just went back and, and it worked out beautifully. And so we introduced making the little trays that go over your teeth. And uh, I don't have a patent on it. Harold, Harold and I were just writing something. We both needed articles and we, yeah. you know, to share with our peers because it was so inexpensive. It didn't damage the teeth. It, I mean, it just had all these wonderful benefits that you kept the enamel that God had given you on your teeth. And, and you still had all the other options if it didn't work. But so we started, you know, research projects. Uh, don't have a patent because that's the joke. If I'd have made a patent on it, uh, I'd be owning the lots of places in the world because it's a billion dollar a year industry in the U.S. alone. Wow. Just the teeth whitening. Just the teeth whitening. And it's, and it's worldwide. So, you know, when when you're the, the, the first article in the world on that, then you get invited to a lot of places and they, they pay for it. So here on an academic um, salary, you know, I've, I've been to over 30 countries and lectured on bleaching multiple times in these countries and been in over 30 states. And, you know, they, where they're paying the whole bill, take my wife sometimes, whatever they whatever tended to do. I mean, we got forced to go to Hawaii for a week. To get an 18 <laughs> so, do you need an assistant, another assistant? I'm sure I can help you out there a little bit. They need a lecture on William Booth or theology. There you go. There you go. Uh, so it's, and it's been a blessing to the family because I could take them on a lot of these trips that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to afford. Uh, but it just, just been amazing. We wound up uh, I mean, uh, there would be questions. I would be concerned. Okay, people are questioning, is this safe? You know, is this going to harm you and all this stuff? And I was telling one of my buddies in Chapel Hill, uh, Chris Wilburton, at a Bible study. He said, man, I, 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 you know, I know God called this to, to come into life. I know this is what he wants me to do, but how do I find that out? And, and Chris said, well, I got a PhD in that kind of research. So, so we did a research project with him that I had no idea what the guy did professionally. We just in the same Bible study. And wow. so we did a research project and showed how safe it was on animals and did all the rat stuff and all that thing that I knew nothing about. Again, sure. this is private practice dentist coming with zero research background and a math degree. You know, this is not my area of expertise. It's just where God just opened this door and opened that door. And they had one guy that uh, we did a research project where he bleached his teeth for six weeks and nothing happened. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a, he was a pipe smoker. God kept it a pipe and, and his teeth were just really dark and tetracycline yeah. and stuff. And so he said, listen, um, ever since I started doing this project, your hygienist thinks I'm flossing my teeth, but I'm not flossing them and I'm not going to, but this stuff keeps the plaque off my teeth. So if you don't mind, can I keep bleaching my teeth? So she'll stay off my back about flossing. <laughs> so we said, okay, you've been a good patient. We'll give you some more bleaching material. And then he came back on his three month recall 
And lo and behold, his tetracycline, that's an antibiotic uh, that you give children a lot for ear infections and stuff, but it turns their teeth gray and brown and different colors. Um, lo and behold, his nicotine stains were removed and his tetracycline teeth were clean. So then we turned around and did the first article in the world on bleaching people's teeth for six months every night to get rid of tetracycline stains. And it works wow. amazingly. Huh. So, and then we also did the first article about bleaching nicotine stains. You take somebody who's given up smoking, you know how dark their teeth are. Right. This stuff eliminates the nicotine stains. It's like what it's like being washed into blood. You're there you go. <laughs> clean as a whistle, like you never did anything with it. So it, wow. it's it's been it's just been fun to see the doors guys open in terms of tetracycline stain. And it it has one side effect. And then, so we wound up doing a study on tooth sensitivity. You know, how do you take care of tooth sensitivity? And it, and it turns out, again, one of those things you're, you're just praying about it and asking God for guidance. And you read this article that where this guy was using uh, uh, toothpaste in a tray for tooth sensitivity, not brushing with it, but putting it in a little tray. So we said, well, if it worked for, for that kind of sensitivity, what about bleaching sensitivity? So we did the first article in the world on using um, actually sensodyne toothpaste, pronamel or 5% potassium nitrate in a tray. And in 10 to 30 minutes, about 95% of the people's teeth were not sensitive anymore. Wow. And so it, it's just been miracle after miracle like that, where, you know, I'm, I'm struggling and I had to keep the confidence that I know God called me to do this yeah. and I'm getting lambasted by people, some Christians even who said, this is, this is going to destroy you. It's going to cause cancer. It's going to eat your teeth. Oh, up. really? So th oh, there was goodness. opposition to this idea. Oh, a huge opposition <laughs> to this because it was so radically different from anything Dennis had ever done. Uh, and so I, I'm, you know, I'd write an article and somebody else would write a counterpoint article and stuff. Cause so bleach has a, a history. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm no scientist, but but yeah. bleach has a history and there's a, the, of being something that was, right? It's not necessarily a, a positive history always, right? Of bleach. And what the problem was, uh, the term bleach has to do with Clorox and stuff. And that's not what we're using. Okay. This, this, this material is called carbamide peroxide. So it's basically a hydrogen peroxide like you buy at a drugstore in the sure. little orange bottle. Okay. It's that kind of strength of peroxide. So that was what the concern was. People were hearing the word bleach and thinking, oh, you're putting Clorox, you're going to eat your guts out and all that kind of stuff. And we're talking about carbamide peroxide. So for a while there, we changed to the term whitening. We're going to call it tooth whitening so people won't get confused about the bleach. But then the manufacturers kind of picked up on that and they started claiming toothpaste would whiten your teeth, which it doesn't. All it does is take the surface stains off. Our this carbamide peroxide stuff we're using goes all the way through the enamel, all the way through the dentin to the nerve in five to 15 minutes. Oh, so wow. it's just flowing right through the tooth and changing the inherent color of the tooth, the tooth, the color that you were born with. Wow. So it, it's, it's so, you know, that's been the challenge in the scientific world. They, they make the joke that whoever owns a dictionary wins the debate. Right. That's true. Right. Yep. Words you use, just like we're seeing in the church now, right. the words you use and the definition you apply to those makes all the difference in the world. So we, wow. you know, you in the scientific circles, you fight that same battle of misinformation or misconstrued information. Um, and so I continually, I'm still writing articles to try to explain to folks because now that was 30 years ago that we wrote that article. So now are over 30. Now we've got a whole new generation of dentists who've come through. And this is not a big part of a dental curriculum. It's just a little minor side thing. Okay. As a matter of fact, I don't give but about three lectures in the whole dental school curriculum on this because I teach restorative dentistry, fillings and crowns and, yeah. and uh, bites, occlusion and splints and all those kind of things like that. Interesting. So in, in regular dentistry, there are a lot of dentists who haven't gotten any information on this in their whole career unless they go to these continuing education courses where these these uh people and other dentists invite me to come speak or they read articles in the literature and things like that. So it's, it, God still got me write an article, just agreed to write another one. We've had them published in the British Dental Journal and, and the Aesthetic Dentistry Academies took our latest one, which was a summary of that because it just like with things in the church or whatever, uh, you know, each successive generation, you've got to get a message to them because they didn't necessarily get it from the ones before. Wow. And so I'm, I'm seeing that need in dental education and in bleaching education is that that we have got to be um, diligent and vigilant, kind of like you talk about contending for the gospel. Right. We've got to be 
we got to be diligent in making sure truth comes out and that that the cultural things that are happening that you know because a lot of the companies have been marketing all these high-powered things like those lights that lighten your teeth and all that stuff and none of that really makes a huge difference mm-hmm. at all but the marketing and uh, the talking head kind of advertisement tends to override the science and the publications in peer-reviewed journals because not that many dentists read every peer-reviewed journal. I mean, there are just hundreds of those things right, out there. Right, so Okay, so a- I want to go back to, the, again, I'm just fascinated by this moment. It's very vivid in my mind. You driving, you know, I just spent some time in the Rocky, I'm mean, sorry, the, the Appalachian Mountains, and I was up in... Um, uh, Bryson City, and so I kind of like had this vision of what it might have looked like, where you would have gone, and so what I, I just I kind of had this picture of you in a car hearing this. Now, let me just go back to this moment, like where you heard this. Was there any part of you that was skeptical in that moment of of what this person was saying, or did you, or did you know right then this is what God? I mean, I'm getting the sense that you knew that this is why God sent you there. Yeah, well, my mind was running through these different things. It's like, wait a minute, I've, I've already researched the literature. I've done all the PubMed searches and all that stuff about all kind of aesthetic dentistry. Uh, the kind of bleaching that was being done then dates back to 1910. Uh, and so it it really, you know, there was nothing I knew of in the literature. So the one side of me is like, this can't be possible. Right, right. That's what I was thinking. All that kind of stuff. And then the other side of me was like, wait a minute, God got brought me here, even though we went through a bunch of trials. And I'm trusting and obeying that he's got the right plan for me. And so I'm going to let that one go down and do what I think God's calling me to do. So, yeah, that was a that was the struggle, the little wrestling uh, with that. And then just watching God open the door with this other lady coming in so we could try it out immediately. I mean, it, it got confirmed later on. But, yeah, at the time there was this, wow, it's not real clear. It's not like, aha, aha, I'm going to jump on it because from a scientific background, you're you're automatically skeptical. I mean, right. that's research is, is fundamentally says, I don't believe this is going right. to work. I'm not going to prove that it either does or doesn't. So yeah, it, it was a, it was a great deal of, of skepticism, but the overriding factor was, wait a minute, look and see what God has done in the past, how he got me where I got me here today, uh, how this wound up being at this place. And I, I know Romans eight twenty eight was my uh, hallmark through that divorce. I know God is going to mm-hmm. work through something mm-hmm. and I'm not sure what it is. Either I'm losing a job or this is going to be the new career focus that we get into. So yeah, it, it's, 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 um, it's that kind of wrestling. And, and it seems the Holy spirit kind of for a lot, a lot of times for me, he, he, he works through me in uh, small, tiny little voice, a little nudge. And you just like, oh, I think so. And I'm going to go see or frustration. Gosh, he works through me so much in frustration. You're getting frustrated with this and frustrated with that. And you decide, well, I, I need to do something. I can't just, I need to channel that energy and activity and, and at least go test this out or right. prove this out. Right. And it's you said right. too, that the, that the tooth itself, like what happens, I've never heard this, that in the whitening process or the bleaching process, that it goes all the way through the various levels of tooth right to the nerve and changes like the, the, the makeup of the tooth. Is that, that I understand that right? Yeah, it changes the color. Now, the color. now we are so wonderfully made. The more I've studied teeth, you know, I've been a, in dental world for 50 years. The more I see, I don't know about them. I mean, it's just <laughs> the deeper you get into the complexity of a tooth that can feel something, the thickness of a hair and can eat a piece of steak or, or crack a piece of ice and your jaw knows how these muscles do it. Anyway, yeah. amazingly complex. And so we're going, the, the color of the tooth is not what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside called dentin. And we don't know what gives a tooth its color. People will say, well, it's chromophores, it's this. But they don't physically have a thing that says, here it is. This is what gave the tooth the color. So all, all we could do is we know we're changing the, the genetic color of the teeth. We're knowing we've gone inside because I did some studies where we glued teeth to glass and watched the material go through it and timed it. And there's a lot of studies in other literature and whatnot. And so all we could figure out is that we, we know we're changing the color of the tooth because it's obvious. And we know we're not doing any harm. We tested to see how, how much damage you had for the external surface of the tooth and the internal surface of the tooth. Again, with God just brought me some great dental students who are now dentists, Mike McCracken, and uh, just different people that we did this research on, Jay McCaslin, mm. uh, just a lot of guys that God brought in so I could work with students and we could figure this stuff out. But it, it, our bodies, again, if you've been in medicine or dentistry very long, you start to realize we think we know a lot, 
But as soon as you run into a problem, you realize this is an amazingly complex organism that, wow. that's so well designed. It's just unbelievable. So teeth, teeth are just like that. They actually have stem cells and teeth, but you know, you, you have such proprioception because every time you swallow, yeah, your teeth come together and they tell your brain what's going on and your brain tells you, you know, what to do with your teeth. I mean, it's just fascinating whole profession to me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Each tooth has a special task that it's assigned to do kind of like the body of Christ and the little canines are your eye teeth and yeah. they guide your jaw from side to side, but they can't chew the way these guys do. I mean, it's just each little guy in there is special and has this special function for how he's doing it. And the inside of the tooth is the same way. And then the brushing. I mean, remember, teeth are the most permanent thing in the body. Yeah, sure. I guess it's after that's a fire, it, people, that's what they that's use, right. dental records, right? They use dental records because it's the last thing to go. I think in cremation, you actually have to grind up the teeth because they're not going to burn up unless you get super, super hot. So wow. here we got this most amazing thing that you use every day of your life. God's intended them to last a lifetime. I mean, that's, that was the whole idea behind it. So it's just just fascinating to, to see what that is. But in, in some ways, there's a lot of things inside we just don't know. I yeah, mean, sure. it, it, it's just beyond our capabilities at this point in time to even understand God's design and how he worked all this stuff out. So I, you yeah. get humble. The older you get, the more humbled you get. You know, when you're young, you feel like you know it all. It's good. You keep going deeper and deeper and find out, man, this is just amazing. I love it. Now, I'll tell you one of the things that I'm doing, I've enjoyed lately. That, but I used to have the um, whitening toothbrush, toothpaste, which I, I heard you say this doesn't work. work. Uh, then I also now... <laughs> I'm using this toothpaste that says as charcoal in it and it feels really good. All right, go ahead. Oh, I see your face. I'm not in good shape. Go ahead and blow uh, it out of the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like putting sandpaper in there. It's going to sand the enamel off your teeth. Oh no. And so, yeah. Yeah. So we've written some articles on that and, and the American Dental Association is coming out with a stance about how detrimental that is to your teeth. Oh no. Uh, and partly uh, it makes it look, uh, sometimes it makes them look white because of the darkness that it puts all around them. Oh. It's kind of like if you go to, I had a, a dental missionary in Africa send me some pictures where um, he's up in North Carolina now, but where the natives over there won't white teeth, but they don't have the bleaching option. So what they do is tattoo their gums black. Oh. And therefore their teeth look white. Contrast it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah, pretty much all those toothpaste are. Uh, they're not, they're going to take off surface stains, but you don't have to have an uh, abrasive one or you'll damage the enamel. So you, it, you got to think of brushing your teeth, like brushing, like washing your mama's China. You know, you don't want to break it. You, you got to get it clean, but you don't have to do a whole thing. And that, that got us into a different sideline. Cause what we found out is that when people bleach their teeth, it took the plaque off, which is where you get tooth decay from and not brushing and flossing. And so we have some uh, other papers and stuff we did where uh, some of these elderly people who are getting a lot of tooth decay because they're taking a lot of medicines and it, it dries their mouth out because God's magic bullet for the mouth is saliva. Okay. And when you don't have saliva, that buffers all the food and everything that's in your mouth and keeps it from being so acidic that it eats up your teeth. And so when people take the top 10 medicines in the United States, uh, cause dry mouth and heart, oh. all, all those things like that. So their, their mouth gets dry. And as they get older, because their mouth is dry, they have no saliva to neutralize the acid that's in the little plaque. And so they wind up getting lots of cavities on the roots of their teeth. And so what we, what we found out is that wearing this bleaching tray, we use it as to control the cavities by taking the plaque off the teeth. And I'm actually working right now. I, I don't have a good, clean, double-blind study. I've got three or four articles out there. One of them in the Journal of the American uh, Medical, I mean, American Dental Association that's well-referenced if somebody wants to read about it. Uh, but we find this for elderly folks, like in nursing homes and places like that, that making a little tray that goes over their teeth uh, and then having them put the glyoxide, the over-the-counter stuff I talked about in there. Same thing. The same, same thing. thing. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And it's only got one bad side effect when you do this. Your teeth get white. <laughs> So that's, so, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's not for everybody because if you got a, a crown in the front of your mouth and the rest of your teeth get white, you're going to have one little dark tooth and stuff. My, when you talk uh, about working with the senior citizens, my grandmother-in-law, you might know her, Mimi Key. We call her Sunshine. Or we call her Mimi, yeah. but she's oh, Sunshine. Yeah, well. I remember yeah. when this was coming around, uh, I, I got in that family in the mid-2000s. 
And um, at the time, they were talking about the strips, the, the whitening strips. And, and the, yeah. the promise on the marketing slogan was, it'll take 14 years off of your teeth. And she's like, well, that would put me at about 60. I'm not, not so interested in that. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point, though, that really we find anybody over 45, when they get whiter teeth, it takes about 10 years off their, their look. Matter of fact, in the newscast, CNN out of Atlanta and all that kind of stuff, there's a couple of things. They don't want to show your hands because your hands show your age and you got to have white teeth because teeth are what the age the most. The rest of your body can look young and healthy, but your teeth will give it away. Oh. So they all have white teeth and they don't show their hands. And then the third thing to do is they, they wear a tie because the research shows somebody that wears a tie is more believable than somebody that wasn't. Now that's old research oh, now. Oh man, I need it. Need to work on my tie, yeah. 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 It, it, and go ahead. What was interesting on this is I traced it back to a, an orthodontist. Oh my God, you know, I, I thought, well, Lord, I can't take credit for inventing this. I don't have the brain power. I didn't do any right. research. I just got given the gift directly and freely, uh, like grace. And so, um, I traced it. I tried to figure out. So I asked the guys in Jacksonville, where did y'all learn it from? And they told me this guy and this guy, I traced it all the way back to a guy named Bill Kluschmeyer in, uh, 1960 something. He had a patient that was in an automobile accident and he was an orthodontist. I talked to his, his family, he's passed away, but, uh, uh, had a patient that was in the orthodontic positioner, which looks like these little trays. Mm -hmm. And she was in an automobile accident and she got hit in the mouth of the steering wheel. So he was worried about her gums getting infected because they were all cut up and all that stuff. Right. So he took his little ortho positioner. He took that glyoxide yeah. over the counter product, put it in the tray, had her put it in her mouth and then sent her to the periodontist, the gum specialist. And when yeah, she yeah. got there about two weeks later, not only were her gums healed, but her teeth were white. Interesting. So it started serendipitously from Dr. Kluschmeyer, but he never wrote any of this stuff down. It just passed word of mouth, you know, kind of like these urban legends you hear. And finally, until we did the research on it, nobody really believed it worked. All those guys in Jacksonville, they had been doing it for 20 years. So they could wow. give me 20, 20 years of history of the sensitivity and how they did it, how long they did it, how long it took to work. I mean, they had done the whole research project for me wow. before I ever got there. So I just, again, <laughs> got that on a silver platter, literally, to be able to go. And then we've we've replicated all that stuff and published it in peer-reviewed journals. And my son, Dave, before we went off to be with uh, Lady A, said, Dad, you got to get a website because he was in computers at the okay. University of Georgia. And so he made me a website, vanhaywood.com. Uh, and then he went off and got in that band. And so he, he couldn't do it anymore. So my younger son, Michael, he took it over and then he got married. And so I lost. So I'm the only one working the website now. They helped me at times. But that's where I what, what I've done. I've, I've got a lot of articles in peer reviewed journals, but the average dentist doesn't see those because right. they're all subscription and you got to sit there and read through a bunch of stuff. I, I kind of feel as an academician, my job is to disseminate all that information and then share it with dentists at here's the Reader's Digest condensed version kind of right. thing. And That's so I, how I feel about my, my podcast in general, too, is like, OK, I have access to a library. It's 30 second walk for me. Right. Um, right. And I have the opportunity to engage literature. And so it's a, it's a way that hopefully I can present it in a way people can access it. And I'm telling you what, Van, people, uh, the preachers who are listening to this, they have at least 10 illustrations already. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I do. I'm writing them down as I'm coming along. Now, you've talked about how you told me personally how this has given you opportunities to witness around the world, even in places where the, there might be restrictions on the gospel. And, and you, you do it carefully. Tell us a little about how this you you being able to write this paper on on this process has opened up doors for the gospel. Yeah, well, it's uh, again, because I'm the first one, different countries won't uh, be able to say, you know, we had Dr. Haywood come and talk about bleaching and stuff. And so uh, I, on, on one hand, I'll get invited to just different places. I remember I got invited to go to Japan for a week and lecture all through that. And they had a, uh, a translator for me. And I got over there about Thanksgiving time. Uh, and we were going to ride these trains to all these different places in Japan. And I give him a little lecture and he would translate it. Uh, and I, I, when I got over there, they had all these Christmas decorations up. And I'm saying, Toko, do you know what these things mean? No, we just do it because the Americans do it. So I spent a week talking to him about what this means about Jesus and how all this came. So, you know, there'll be little things like that. Uh, I've always put a picture at the end of my um, lectures that says there are more important things in my life than bleaching teeth. And one of them mm. is that, uh, that picture that the phot photographer in Korea took when he was wondering why all of his friends were becoming Christians. And he said, God, if you're real, 
you know, somehow I need to, to see some kind of sign. He had the urge to take a picture of the melting snow in a mud puddle. And he took it up. And the negative of that image is the face of Christ. Wow. Uh, you probably see it in Christian bookstores, but always it looks like an ink blot smear test. Right. But people will always come up and, and ask me, uh, you know, what was that little thing you showed at the end? And I get a chance to tell them that little story. And then um, lots of times people, will, you know, I'll give all the reasons people don't want to bleach their teeth. And I'll say, one of them is I say, if God wanted me to have white teeth, he'd want them that way. And I said, I, I don't believe that. If you want to look at some old references, here's Genesis 49, 12, where Jacob is playing that, praying that Judah have teeth as white as milk. So you take there you the go. And it is way whiter than what our teeth are. Oh, that great poem that comes, it's that hymn that comes in, in Genesis 49. I love that. Yeah, now that you say that, that's where we get the uh, the Lion of Judah comes in there as well. Yeah, okay, sorry, I interrupted you. The, the story with Dave is I always point out how, well, he learned to do this in church and youth group. And, you know, people are always fascinated by that. So kind of like, kind of like Paul, you try to figure out what did he, what did God give you in this particular environment that you can use that'll touch the, the hearts are touch base with these other folks and give them an insight to the deeper side you have uh, in your faith in yeah. Christ and in, in what God's called you to do and your purpose in the world. Yeah, absolutely. So, to, to find those opportunities um, and just to look around you, to look where what, what, what has God done in your life? What are, what are the passions and abilities that are there and how can you use them? I love that. Well, Van, this has been really interesting. I think it could go on for a long time. But I always ask a question. The, the title of this podcast is More to the Story. And the idea with that is that we know there's always more to the story than just, oh, there's these teeth, teeth whitening things. Like, no, oh, there's a whole story behind it. And there's more to Van. <laughs> and it's also in our tradition. And um, you attended United Methodist Church. And we're in that uh, same tradition here at Wesley Biblical Seminary that there's more than just getting saved, that we have the opportunity to experience God's sanctifying grace. So the idea of me saying that more to the story is connected to that. There's more than just like having your sins forgiven. There's the, the holy life that God's calling us to. But on a kind of a more uh, friend, fun side, um, is there more to the story of Van that people don't normally hear? Is there, a, do you like to snorkel or something? Or what, what is more to the story for you? Well, it, Hmm, that's a great question. Uh, first of all, uh, I mean, for me, the music is my passion. I, my, yeah. my joke is I became a dentist so I could uh, support my music habit. <laughs> so uh, my, my, I have to wi remind my wife when you find one of those guitars, because if you open that door behind me, there's a whole bunch of them in another room that it's like black shoes, honey. You know, you, you got to understand that <laughs> there's never enough black shoes for you. There's never enough guitars. But, you know, I, I think just... Um, the, the joy that music brings, you know, I, I do a lot of little things. We have a, a Christian student group at our dental school and we, we do music once a month uh, yeah. and devotionals other times. But, you know, just getting people to, uh, you know, to think about, hey, did Jesus ever sing? And sure enough, he did. You know, yeah. so we went out to the Garden of Gethsemane. They sang a hymn. So uh, it's just seeing how God uses music um, and the joy I have of doing music. That's kind of been my my thing. I mean, I, I love dentistry and I, I love teaching music. Um, I, I wrote a guitar book on learning to play guitar with Christian songs, which is available on lulu.com. But it's, it's, I give it away around here, just cheaper to get somebody else to print it than it is to print it at Kinko's and stuff. So, I, you know, I just kind of look for those kind of ways. But music is probably my um, my more to the story. There so, it is. Or somebody's going to see something about music and then they're going to hear about the three kids and my wife does children's choir and you know so it, it just um yeah i think kind of mostly that side of it yeah i love that and and um you are very kind to give some stuff to my my son titus and but i'll say and more to the story with music for you is uh with that package that we got a, a guitar pick and it had one with lady a on it i'm like well that makes sense he gave that but then i found another guitar pick <laughs> that had dr van haywood on the back of it so you have your own guitar pick which is pretty fascinating yeah <laughs> yeah my, my son dave gave those to me for for christmas and my other son michael said oh dad you know what this is don't you this is a toothpick <laughs> Oh, anyway, on the back side of that, it's got a picture for two. So that's why it's called it. A oh, interesting. You know, that that's was, fun. That well, was funny. But I, I love, you know, getting guitars and giving them to folks and helping folks get started and discover their gifts. And uh, I mean, that 
that's just the, I think there's such a joy in giving yeah. uh, and looking to, to see how, what, what has God blessed you with that can be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. And why did he give you this, you know, the old Moses, what's in your hand, Moses? Well, I got the staff. All right. Yeah. What's in my hand? I got right. teaching and I got music. Where can I plug those things in? Where can God use them? Because as you do what God's called you to do, you are so blessed Amen. and so fulfilled and so much joy in life because you're part of the grand scheme and the purpose and furthering the gospel in different sort of ways. Some of which are just personal relationships with people who know nothing about the church, but they know about music or they know about Lady A or they yeah. know about, you know, raising kids. And, you know, why your kids, all, all three of them just got wonderful spouses and doing great things, got four grandchildren. So, it, you know, it, it just today is actually my birthday. So I'm 72 today. There you go. So this, uh, this is an exciting time to just stop and reflect. Oh my goodness. I mean, I'm still teaching full time. I'm still enjoying all that stuff. And it's just amazing to see looking back as the old footprints in the sand to see what God has done. Yeah. I was telling the dental students the other day, uh, I had some dental friends that were sales, sales, sailboat people. And it, yeah. I, it just struck me that sermon that in a sailboat, you never go straight across the lake. You mm -hmm. always go this way for a long time. And then you tack and go this way for a long time. Then you tack and go yeah. this So. When you're over here on one of these things, you're thinking, God, I'm not getting where you want me to. But God really knows that only when you get this far this way, can you turn and catch the wind and go the other way. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, just just looking back on your life and seeing all those holy coincidences, and those little things that you felt God's nudging and you walk through that door. And then all of a sudden you were just blown away by his His blessings and his, wow. and his guidance and stuff. I mean, that, that's just such an encouragement. I think it's why it's so important for us to encourage one another as the body of Christ and, and meet together and, yeah. and, and share one another's burdens and joys. Cause it's that, you know, if he did this for you, he can do something for me too. Amen. So just, yeah. Well, that is a great, I mean, you summed that up, up so well, and it's a great opportunity for us to think about how we can use what God's given us, you teaching and music and how God's used that all around the world. And so we trust that. And there are some people who won't have that type of recognition, but God still has a plan for you in the midst of it. And he knows, and he knows what you're doing with the gifts you've given him. So Van, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you and a real joy to hear this story told and, and not just a five minute version, but to get the full version of it. What a great blessing. Thank you for coming on. Oh, it's been a blessing. It's always good when to stop and, you know, count your blessings, recount what God's done in your life. Just encourages you for your own self for today. So thanks for taking the time to have me. I appreciate it.